Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12 called The Wells of Salvation. The Feast of Tabernacles or Booze features the celebration included a holy convocation on the first and seventh or eighth days and the offering of many animal sacrifices. The Israelites were commanded to live in booths made of palm and willow trees during the festival to commemorate their period of wilderness wandering when they lived in temporary shelters. Town dwellers erected these booths in their courtyards and on the flat housetops. The feast is also known as the Feast of Booths. The English word tabernacle is from the Latin tabernaculum, meaning booth or hut. And of course, you can't help but think the very presence of God as he came in the person of Jesus and did what? Tabernacled among us, right? It is also known as the Feast of Ingathering, and it was observed, uh, is observed the coming in of the harvest and so forth. Uh, among the three major feasts of Israel where the males would come to Jerusalem uh, was also Passover and Pentecost and Tabernacles. At the heart of the celebration was a daily rite. Rabbinical literature tells us that each morning great multitudes would gather at the temple of Herod. They would come with a citrus fruit in their left hand uh, called a citron or an ethrog. The citrus fruit was a reminder of the promised land to which God had brought Israel, the bountiful blessing which he bestowed. In their right hands, the people would carry a lulab, which was a combination of three trees, a palm tree, a, a willow, and a myrtle. They represented the stages of Israel's journey through the wilderness. Each morning, the people gathered together. After the priest was sure everything was in order, he would hold a, a, out a golden pitcher, and I've heard some say a silver one. The crowds would follow the priest to the pool of Siloam, a pretty good distance, chanting some of the great psalms from 118 and otherwise. They would wave the lulabs in rhythm as they approached the pool. The priest would dip his pitcher into the water and the people would recite the beautiful words of Psalm, excuse me, of Isaiah 12, 3. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. This was every ta- Feast of Tabernacles. This was a rite that happened every single day. There was, it was the height of the celebration, including the lighting of the torches there at night. They would quote from Isaiah 12, 3, and then they would move through the water gate and back into the temple area. This specific commemoration of the water-pouring ceremony connected to tabernacles looked back to the water that came out of the rock in the wilderness wanderings when the children of Israel had no water and Moses was told to what? Strike the rock and water would flow. The second time he was supposed to do what? Speak to the rock. And he didn't do what God told him to do and got, got himself in trouble. The crowd, uh, once this was done, they would ascend to the ramp, and once they had dipped the water and the, the pitcher in the pool of Siloam, and there would be a pause as the priest raised the pitcher into the air. The crowd would begin to shout during the, pre- during the feast to the priest, hold it higher, hold it higher, hold it higher, and he would try to do as much as he could by extending up his arm. It was considered to be the height of joy in the life of an Israelite if he could see the water poured on the altar at this great event. The Mishnah says, he that never has seen the joy of the water drawing has never in his life seen joy. 
That's how seriously they took this. And there was something happening on that day that was quite interesting. Look at John 7. Look in your Bible at verse 37. Now, on the last day, this would be the final day of the water-pouring ceremony, the great day of the feast, that's Sukkot or Tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Imagine this. The, the ceremony is going on, the feast is being celebrated, the pitcher, the golden pitcher, has been dipped in the pool of Siloam, They've made their way into the temple area, into the uh, area of the altar. They're getting ready. Raise it higher. Raise it higher. Raise it higher. And the priest is getting ready to pour it. And the voice of Jesus, and I like to think this is the way it occurred. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. What's he saying? On the great day of the feast is when he announced this, brothers and sisters. You know how God works. He's saying, I am the water that came out of the rock. And do you remember uh, that God would himself stand on the rock? Remember? If you go back and read the uh, Exodus 17 account, and the, I think it's in Numbers is the, the second time that it happens, you'll see that God said he would stand on the rock himself. Jesus is the rock that followed them in the wilderness, 1 Corinthians 10. And Jesus is saying, I am the source. I am the wellspring of salvation. Dip your pitcher in the well that I give. And from your soul, from your innermost being will flow what? Torrents of living water. The work of the Holy Spirit will begin in your life because when you get saved, what happens? The Spirit comes and does what? He dwells in you. He seals you for the day of redemption. And he begins to work in your life from the inside out. And Jesus says, I am the fulfillment of that work. I am the fulfillment of the feast that you've been celebrating this whole time. I am the God that allowed the water to pour from the rock. I am the rock. Come to me. Dip your pitcher into the springs of water, not into dead cisterns, and I will give you life. See, Jesus is the fulfillment of these feasts, and he is the wellspring of salvation. This is what God wants to do in our life. And when you know Jesus, go back to Isaiah 12, well, you know, when you have the Spirit of God living in you, worship just flows because the Spirit came to glorify Christ, and so you can't help but worship the Lord. And so on this feast day, they would quote Isaiah 12. Verse 3, therefore you will, how will you do it? Joyously draw water. We need that one too, huh? (laughs) We need to do it with joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and when we have joy in our lives, man, it's a beautiful testimony to a world that uh, is happy, usually dependent upon circumstances. Therefore you will, joyously draw water from the wells. Notice it's plural. There's sources everywhere that God wants to bring into your life. It says in Revelation 7, 15, 
For this reason, they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne shall spread his tabernacle over them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun beat down on them, nor any heat. Revelation 7, 17. For the lamb in the center of the throne shall be their shepherd and shall guide them to the springs of the water of life, and God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. And in that day, Isaiah 12, 4, you, plural again, will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Now, I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, that though there are principles, reasons why we worship, principles about worship, there's another aspect of your worship, and I didn't think much about this until today. A big part of your worship is proclamation. We think, sometimes we take worship and we say, worship is about this 20 minutes or half an hour on Sundays or Wednesdays. No, it's not. Worship is a life before God. And part of your worship, part of presenting yourself as a living sacrifice to God, holy and pleasing unto him, is to make proclamation. Notice the verse. In that day you will say, collectively together, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Does this this sound evangelistic to you? Listen to the words. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember her. Make them remember that he is exalted. I'll tell you what, I feel like that's my job a lot of the time. Make them remember. You know, Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. And Paul, talking about the Lord's table, says, as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Every time you take communion, you are not only doing something in commemoration of Jesus Christ and in celebration of his work, you are making a proclamation. And in this verse, part of our worship is evangelism. Evangelism is an expression of worship. That makes me think different about evangelism. Oh, that's for other people. I don't really like to evangelize. I I like Bible studies for all Christians. Well, look, I like those too. But if that's all you do and you don't evangelize, then there's a part of your life of worship, frankly, that is missing. Because worship is proclamation. Sometimes we are here on a Sunday morning and there are unbelievers that have come into this group of worshipers. And some of them think that you people are very strange. They think I'm strange because I'm usually up here with my hands up, right? I don't know. I saw Pastor Michael out on the baseball field. It seemed pretty normal, but now, woo-wee, right? That's weird. Is it weird? Is it? How many of you have ever done this at a rock concert? Oh, yeah. No problem doing it there. Hmm. How many of you have had your team win and gone like this? How many of you have won and in your friend's face have gone, yeah, baby. But you won't do it to the God of your salvation? I don't know. Sometimes, right, it took, takes a while. <laughs> I'm not saying you have to raise your hands to be worshipful. 
but come on, people. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Michael Lance says it at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. You are not only doing something in commemoration of Jesus Christ and in celebration of His work, you are making a proclamation. And in this verse, part of our worship is evangelism. Evangelism is an expression of worship. That makes me think different about evangelism. Oh, that's for other people. I don't really like to evangelize. I, I, I like Bible studies for all Christians. Well, look, I like those too. But if that's all you do and you don't evangelize, then there's a part of your life of worship, frankly, that is missing. Because worship is proclamation. Sometimes we are here on a Sunday morning and there are unbelievers that have come into this group of worshipers. And some of them think that you people are very strange. They think I'm strange because I'm usually up here with my hands up, right? I don't know. I saw Pastor Michael out on the baseball field. It seemed pretty normal, but now, woo-wee, right? That's weird. Is it weird? Is it? How many of you have ever done this at a rock concert? Oh, yeah. No problem doing it there. Hmm. How many of you have had your team win and gone like this? How many of you have won and in your friend's face have gone, yeah, baby? But you won't do it to the God of your salvation? I don't know. Sometimes, right, it took, takes a while. I'm not saying you have to raise your hands to be worshipful, but come on, people. Are we saying that he's not worthy if we can do it in other contexts? Mm. See, in that day, you will say, Can you imagine standing on this side of the millennium? We're looking forward to it now, but standing there and having the nations bring their glory and listen to his wisdom. What will you say to those people walking through the gates? Go listen to him. He's the one. He's the fount of salvation. See, that's what we should be saying now. We should not be ashamed of the gospel. Praise, verse five. By the way, praise means 
give public acknowledgement. We got too many Christians who think that you can only give public acknowledgement to God in church buildings. That's false. That's just downright false. You know what I found? I found I get before a group of people, I don't have any idea whether they're Christians or not. I start talking to them like they're the church. And they start talking back to me. Amen. Amen. See, and there's usually some saints out there, and sometimes it's a memorial service, and I start talking to them like they're Christians or that they already know about God because you know what I know? They already do know about God. So I just, I just start preaching. Yeah, that's right. You know that, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people are doing the bulletin shuffle, you know, uncomfortable, can't wait to get out. But, but most people, they, they hear you. They know there's a God. He made me. He's written his laws in my heart. He's put eternity in my heart. I long to, to know something greater than just this world stuff. And in those moments, there's the work of the Spirit. Praise is public acknowledgement. I will praise the Lord how? In song. We studied Mary's song on Sunday, and I told you we all should have a song. For he has done excellent things. Let this be known throughout the earth. Don't keep it to yourself. That's why I love the fact that music, Christian music is going out all over the place and it's a good thing. Sing to the Lord, New King James 5. For he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Let it be known. It is known, but let it be known. And verse 6, cry aloud. And shout for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. He's great. Cry aloud. Let it be known to the people. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. People already know he made the world and everything in it anyway. They already know. He's made it evident His invisible attributes are clearly seen just by what's been made. So the people are without excuse. And then he's given them an an internal witness. He says, even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as as God. They suppressed the truth and unrighteousness. They already know both internally and externally that God is there. So if you know that, then don't hesitate. Praise the Lord. Cry and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Would you pray with me? Lord, you have been great in our midst because we know that in our midst you have done marvelous things. So many times in the midst of my circumstances, in the midst of two or three saints, in the midst of a congregation, in the midst of an event where you showed up and showed your power, in the midst of a crisis, in the midst of stress, in the midst of difficulty, overwhelming circumstances. Great is the Lord and worthy to be praised. Lord, we don't always understand everything, but we do know one thing. You are holy. Your anger has turned away from us in Jesus Christ. We have dipped our cups into the well of salvation. We have had torrents of living water flow in and out of us. We have the work of your spirit in our lives. You have set us aside, set us apart for your divine operation, called us your beloved, sealed us 
in the blood of the covenant told us that we are your bride, that we belong to you, that you've prepared a place for us, that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years, that we will see a new Jerusalem, a city that has no darkness, no need of the lamp. We will see his face. He will wipe away our tears from our eyes. He will cover us with his tabernacle. He will lead us to springs of water. And you tell us that anyone who is thirsty can come and drink without cost the water of life. Thank you, Lord, that you have given us that water. You said to the woman at the well, if you drink this water, you will thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I will give you, it will become a wellspring, springing up to everlasting life. She thought by drawing natural H2O, the answer was there, but you were the answer right before her. And she came to you, Lord. She believed. And she announced to that town, come see a man who told me all things I have ever done. Lord, we know in you is great hope. And we want to be people of worship. We want to be people of praise. We want those springs of water to flow from us. So Lord, would you fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. If your heart is submitted and surrendered to the Lord right now, you're considering what I've spoken about. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, he wants to come in and save your life. Right now, the wrath of God abides on you, but it will turn away if you trust in the free gift of salvation in Christ. And he will forgive your sin. He will heal you from the inside out. And you will start a new journey in life. If that's you, right now where you are, just open your heart to him. It's something like this. You don't have to have perfect words. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. I'm thirsty for you. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. Father, for people who may be crying out for the first time, I pray that you would touch them. For your saints, I pray that you would fill them afresh with your spirit. We just want to say we love you, and we pray that we will be people of praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Wells of Salvation, Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 12. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. Now here's Pastor Michael. Isaiah twelve four says, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, Make known his deeds among the peoples. Make them remember that his name is exalted. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, this year as a church at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where I serve as senior pastor, we've embraced a theme verse for the year. You call it a purpose verse, if you will. And that is that we are his ambassadors, as though Christ were pleading through us for people to be reconciled to God. You can look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. And that's that really fits well with the 
end portion of Isaiah chapter 12. And I would ask you, how's the new year going for you so far? You know, here we are, it's January 2022. It, it almost, it seems like kind of unbelievable, at least for those of us who are a little bit older, 2022. How's it going for you so far? Do you need some prayer? Do you need some encouragement? Are you plugged into a home church? Are you serving the Lord? Are you feeling lonely? Do you need uh, someone just to uh, talk to or pray with? Perhaps you'd like to submit a prayer request on our website. You can do so at walkintruth.com. We always love to hear how the program's blessing you. You can also do that at walkintruth.com. But we have a number. If you'd like to call us during the week, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., that it would be Pacific time, we have pastors here, and they're available to talk to you if you need some ministering to. That would be at 844-48-TRUTH, 844-48-TRUTH. There is also a... Uh, email address. It's contact at walkintruth.com. If you'd prefer to reach out that way, contact at walkintruth.com. But the number is available to you as well. It's 844-48-TRUTH. Well, excited to bring the day of the Lord is near next time on Walk in Truth as we get into the idea of the return of Christ and the day of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 13. We'll jump in that t- into that tomorrow. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Please keep us in prayer. We appreciate your prayers and partnership. And Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 13 called The Day of the Lord is Near. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.